the Protect Your Neck Podcast. Bellator 227 and 228 Breakdown. Hot August night and the leaves hanging down and the grass on the ground smelling sweet. Savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analysts work you can find at MMAJunkie.com. And on this year's program, no, not Brother Love's Travel and Salvation Show, courtesy of Neil Diamond and the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood soundtrack, a little fair use action there. No, on this year's program, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight, I thought I'd change it up. With the song, as I'm changing up the format a bit, this is a Bellator breakdown. I don't often do these. Yes, I do touch on Bellator fights and have been breaking them down both in print over at MMA Junkie and on this podcast before, but I don't know if I did like a a Bellator solo podcast, really, unless there was like, you know, no UFC going on that weekend. But either way, uh, I cram way too much non-MMA, but even with MMA, I still cram way too much in because there's just way too much goddamn MMA. So um, I didn't want to do that, and with like it popping off Friday, the first show, and in the UK, I didn't want to, you know, y'all holding up for that because I actually did some some oh, tape study a bit, and I hate doing that, but just enough for the picks to know who these people are because again. Aside from the top people at Bellator, I play catch-up in a lot of ways. Because as a West Coast here in the United States, uh, let's just say Bellator and many all of its iterations have not really catered to that too well. I'm not complaining or comparing. I know all y'all other regions have your own complaints. Uh, but speaking of your regions, there's a lot from your region as far as the Bellator Dublin car, Bellator 227, keeping in the spirit of giving things too many names. Why not? Not really. Uh Two is not that bad compared to like four, which is what the UFC is up to. But um, yeah, so it, it was kind of fun looking at uh, you know what was available on those names, and uh, I'll have some opinions on here. There are some lines out. I'll touch on those, and it'll be a very short all business episode. Um, and I intend to keep the next one that way too. Although I usually recap the week before. I'm going to save that since the recapping is UFC. Uh, I'm just going to say that for the UFC podcast, you know what I'm saying? So I guess that one, the UFC Copenhagen Copenhagen show, will be uh, a little bit more of the normal format, where hopefully this will just feel like more of an expedited one. Um, yeah, so yeah, again, apologies last week for that uh, uh, TMI podcast. I'm doing fine, thanks. We'll just leave it at that. Notes on this week. You have dual podcast articles. That's right. Um I didn't do any written or video for Bellator 227, but I did break down written and video of the main and co-main events for Bellator 228, which we'll touch on and um, should be up hopefully you know, soon, but uh, when you hear this, if you're listening to it right off the bat, but just kind of time stamping, I, I sent in just a couple hours ago my, uh, 
my part two of the, the, the Dark Horses, breaking down the Dark Horses to watch out for in this featherweight Grand Prix that Bellator is doing. Uh, the second installation of this weekend, Saturday, Bellator 228. Uh, I just turned that in, and then shortly after that, I looked on Twitter and saw that fighters were weighing in, and most of, most of all of them made weight last I checked as far as Bellator 227 over in Dublin goes. And I'm debating on whether I want to do this fucking podcast because I'm so drained from this week. Uh, work, non-work, physically, emotionally, otherwise. I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just stay up and, and knock this out so people have something to listen to. And uh, so if you're wondering where the, where the UFC Copenhagen podcast is, I haven't recorded yet at the time of this. You know, again, this is late, late, late Wednesday, early Thursday morning here. And I'll probably be doing a UFC Copenhagen a Thursday evening, if I'm being honest. So... That'll still be over 24 hours to 36 hours before the event comes, but considering there's a bunch of MMA, mainly the Bellator 227 on Friday. Yeah, I expect you guys to make time to listen to this podcast. But those of you who do, that's awesome. Thank you. But again, I'm trying to be be courteous. So we'll keep this quick. That's what uh, is outlined. Um, I wrote shouts to people who submitted questions. I'm tired, and I just said I'm going to keep this quick, so I'm going to shelf those questions once again. I'm sorry. Maybe the next podcast I'll get to those. And uh, Simon Head. I wanted to shout Simon Head as a, a good, just if you're not following him already. Uh, of course, he works with us over at MMA Junkie, but you know, he, he's been around the scene for quite some time, providing awesome coverage, great writing interviews, and uh, he's really got a good beat, speaking of regional scenes and Bellator. Uh, he's aware of all MMA, but he really does, does a good job on that Bellator European beat. So really, uh, uh, defer. I wrote, put my notes here. I put defer to Simon Head for Euro slash Bellator uh, fighters. So if any of my analysis sounds off, um, apologies. Though so, you know me, I usually don't speak out of school. I'm really honest of what I do and don't do. So not that they have to worry about that. But for whatever, whatever I miss, you know, he's a good guy to follow. All right, six minutes. Let's get going. Let's start off at Bellator 227, since I just mentioned it. Um, I It's like two... I'm only doing the main cards for Bellator. It's not going to be like UFC, obviously. So these will be the, t- the main cards, and I guess Bellator 227 is two. Um, so let's just start at, uh, you know, James Gallagher, who's your favorite, minus 515, and Roman Salazar. Remember that guy? Uh, plus 375. They dusted him off to come in filling a short notice. I forget who James Gallagher was supposed to face as I pull it up here. Uh, shamefully to say, but, you know, he's bounced back from that Ricky Bandeja's defeat. Uh, he was supposed to fight Cal Eleanor. You all know who that is. Remember Cal Eleanor from... No, no, I'm drawing blanks. Uh, yeah, but, but uh, <laughs> obviously taking James Gallagher here. Um, Salazar's, uh, it's not that he's not, not comfortable grappling and Whatnot, maybe striking would be good considering, you know, he's kind of coming in on short notice, but he actually hasn't been doing, not like he hasn't been doing anything. He was coming off a huge split, split decision loss at uh, LFA. Uh, he did recently fight here in July, but yeah, I'm taking James Gallagher. Uh, sorry, don't expect too much <laughs> analysis beyond that uh, from me. Um, he should be able to get it done grappling, but I wouldn't be surprised to see James uh, stand and try some shit, considering the context of this fight a little bit. Uh, Michael Page versus Richard Keeley. Uh, Keeley's an SPG fighter. Seeing a lot of them pop up uh, in Bellator, obviously. They're doing a lot of Dublin shows, a lot of uh, Europe shows, so it just goes hand-in-hand hand facing Michael Page. 
Um, was this his initial opponent too? Is he coming in on short notice as well? Oh, excuse me. It doesn't look like it. At least it's not listed on uh, Tapology there. Uh, the line is a bit crazy though. Let's see what the line is. Michael Page 900, Richard Keeley plus 600. Well, I mean, I think Richard Keeley has a better chance than that because it's MMA. But no disrespect to Hitchard, who uh, was, was giving it to old Sean Sheehan there. And uh, Sean Sheehan conducted himself uh, like a pro. Not a lot of uh, most of these people on the internet that shout lobby criticisms at the media don't, you know, or criticisms at fighters don't ever have to see people in person. Well, we do. And even some media members, and not taking shots at them or anything, just. Speaking of true, some media members, because of their beat, never have to interview or talk to these fighters. Um, and something that, yeah, I should probably, you know, of course, I really, you know, like to believe my intent is good, and I do things for the sake of of comedy and even within taste for my crazy taste. But you know, believe me, man, I I got to remind myself often of uh, good old, my good old good old buddy John Morgan's uh, advice there He's, uh, to a lot of you know media in general, you know. Don't say something you're not comfortable saying to these people's faces because you could be interviewing them. And, you know, that's something I was made very aware of with MMA Junkie Radio because, uh, you know, that was the only five-day-a-week uh, show for, for, for a while, uh, a good while, a decade, uh, for MMA. And I, I was lucky enough to participate for a couple of years there. And, um, man, that was, you know, it was definitely reminding of that. But that being said, you know, I I, I, I don't, you know, was hard for me to. It's interesting because it's a similar styles, but it was hard for me to get excited. I think just from an athletic and speed disadvantage here, Richard Kelly does you know harbor a similar style, but I don't see anything on the ground or any credentials there or anything in his record that's going to indicate um, that he's carrying some ace up his sleeve in that regard. And he's training with good people there, um, but I imagine most of his in SPG. But I imagine most of his training is usually keeping things on the feet to his strength. We'll see if he changes gears there. Good uh, game planning over there. Ugh, excuse me. Um, or at least thoughtful game planning at the very least. And, um, yeah, and I don't mean to sound, you know, writing off or dismissive. Because, again, guys, I, I, I love uh, sport karate, uh, karate stylings. Um, you know, the only the only black belts I hold are in, you know, taekwondo and kempo karate. So I don't have a hate for those arts or anything like that I'm not dismissive um but even coming from me someone who dare say have a bias right admitted bias toward those arts I I uh wasn't wasn't popping I wasn't getting wasn't getting chub for what I saw so I'll take page there um let's go down the the list here let's go down the list money penny oh shit boy the old sick boy method. Yeah, a sick boy lacks a bit in the modal fibers. Um, there's no line for this one, but Dominic Wooding uh, from England facing... Uh, not sure what country he's from. African there, but he's been training over at SBG Ireland for some time. Uh, excuse me, sorry. Franz Milambo. Franz Pops. I like that name. Franz Pops. Franz Milambo. Um, and... Uh, yeah, Franz Malambo, you know, sparring with Conor McGregor on his Instagram there, which comes in handy, uh, considering he's facing a southpaw here in Dominique Wooding. Except Dominique Wooding, man, he's uh, 
He's, he's since he's a former flyweight, he's faster than Conor McGregor. But this guy hits hard, and he actually uses his right hand. Has stoppage wins from flyweight all the way up to featherweight. Uh, bantamweight seems to be his natural weight class, for sure. Um, you know, he he uh, he's been submitted before. Both guys have. That's definitely their weakness. I would think. I think that Franz Malambo looks like he's the more well-rounded fighter, and also the. Uh, forensic science that you kind of got to do on some of this would suggest it, considering he's training at SBG and has seen a lot of submission looks. Uh, excuse me. Again, that being said, I still think there's going to be a speed and athletic disadvantage uh, or advantage for, I should say, uh, Wooding. And Wooding is, uh, I don't have it in front of me because I'm too lazy to click the keyboard that's in front of me. <laughs> but he's got like an amateur record that extends pretty far back. Uh, although I believe he's only like a year and a half deeper in experience than Franz on paper. But you look at his experience and like he's been fighting since he was 16. He's got that total uh, corner phrase from shots to the heavy hands, young veteran kind of thing going on, right? Um, and he could be one of those, uh, at least on paper. We'll see. Who knows? But I liked what I saw from his Brave FC fight to his one Bellator fight. Uh, whereas Franz, I think I watched one of his regional fights and then his Bellator fight at all. You really can't go who they're facing. They're not facing anybody great. But, uh, but yeah, I like winning there. Um, all right, next fight, Ryan Scope versus Peter Queeley. They've got a line for that one. They fucking do. All right, Peter Queeley. Peter Queeley's your underdog. It's one, plus 195, and... Ryan Scope, he doesn't speak like that because he's English, but he's got a nice butterfly tattoo on his lower abdomen. Says the guy who's got a fucking star on his lower abdomen over here. Jesus, Dan. Pot calling the kettle black again, you fucking hypocrite. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. Hey, folks. It's not a nautical star, at least. <laughs> All right. Jesus, what's wrong with nautical stars, you fucking asshole? All right. Oh, Jesus. Sweet, bro. All right. Uh, yeah, Ryan Scope, minus 255. Yeah, I like Scope here. I turned in my picks already before without before. The, a lot of these lines are up. I suspected Scope would be the favorite, deservedly so. Uh, he kind of had a sneaky good resume where it's like not good resume, but like a sneaky deceptive like potential because you watch the footage on him. You're like, okay, submission guy, submission grappler from the UK. Let's see where this stacks up, where his ceiling ends up being. He's barely, you know, uh, kind of similar to, was it Fishgold I'm thinking of? Like, they barely, you know, go to decision to see the scorecards because they're so do or dies. They're just one of those guys. But then you watch, like, Scope. I think, like, in his first decision, he feeds a guy, faces a guy who's much more experienced than him. And um, that veteran does some veteran stuff to kind of put it on him in the first round. And then he actually, you see Scope make adjustments to come back and take the decision. And that's, like, his first decision victory. So... This guy, you know, and then he goes to the split with with Patricky. Um, this guy overperforms uh, a bit, so it's it's. Uh, I could see why 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 he's getting chalked up here. Whereas Queely, it's not too sexy because you look at it, it's like all decisions, right? I think he's like one freaking stoppage. Uh, excuse me, and he's called like the showstopper. So it's like, yeah, it's like oh geez, but um, he's definitely you know a real tough, grindy guy. Um, just kind of well-rounded any everywhere. Just durable as all fucking hell. Uh, so I think this is going to be a, a deceptively sweaty grind. Um, so that high line actually keeps me away from scope, albeit I agree, and I'm picking scope here, if that makes sense. So, 
Uh, we'll see if Queeley can generate, you know, with that hometown support. Man, it's going to be a lot of Irish people watching both in and out. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if he uh, steps up there. He'll be the bigger man. Maybe that comes into play. Um, is the next one Benson? Uh, no, not yet. No line on this one. Leah McCourt, Kerry Hughes. I, I honestly didn't watch footage on this one, but I picked McCourt because it looks like some... Uh... <laughs> it's going to take my shot. I also feel bad because Rich Chu seems like a really nice guy. Um, meeting him in person, just very briefly, of course, but just seeing him from afar. He's been around the scene for a minute. Seems to care about his fighters. The guy snaps legs in the emergency room. He's, uh, you know... Shooting updates about, you know, Katie Collins, rest in peace. Unfortunately, she passed away. Posted a GoFundMe uh, on my page. Don't need to get in the why. That, even though I don't know her, that don't need to get in the why. That, that one hits hits home for me. Um, but I was going to say this is like the typical Rich Drew matchmaking, smashmaking. But, uh, yeah, I think McCourt's going to roll here. No line on that. Uh, next fight does have a line, though. And, and I may have threw it in something. Uh, Benson Henderson is your favorite minus 260 miles jury plus 220 always scary man scary because jury really does have potential when, when he puts it all together um, I don't know what it is it's Fury Jury Jury Jits I don't want to be a dick but there's just something about the guy where it's really easy like not to you know to <laughs> I don't know man like I, I don't know it's just like I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Like, Put it this way. I would have got my ass kicked even back then. Of course, back then. It doesn't matter when. Regardless, but when I was at Alliance for the pro practice and it was roll time, I wanted to... Miles was someone I wanted, just wanted to say, let's see, how good is this guy? I want to see. Because even though I get my ass kicked, I still can, you know, I can still judge. Still, still judge by how good good someone is, and, and be a good partner, and, and be enough of a, a barometer with with experience, right? So, and uh, I remember beelining toward him, and then Chandler just stepped in, and because Chandler Chandler knew me, and, uh, we we knew each other, that's why I was there. He's like, "Hey, you want to go?" I'm like, All right, Chandler. I'm like, oh, great! It's like fucking sack from Wedding Crashers going with Chandler. It's just he's really explosive I mean you want to talk about explosive and not just throwing it on a dark skin athlete <laughs> like Chandler's a guy you can just feel his explosion but it was neither here nor there um, that aside I, I I don't want to overlook Jury but yeah I, I couldn't help but um, put Benson in maybe a little bit of some chalk here uh, stupid chalk thing that I did I took a little three legs here and one, one leg over from UFC Copenhagen for some for some plus 150 action. Um, I know, four-leg parlay at MMA is stupid, but uh, Benson is probably the most riskiest pick, but um, I just think he's always going to be a tough out. He's athletic. I don't see the bottom dropping out soon. And uh, Miles Jury, you know, I did say, you know, to be careful to overlook because he does have skills, but the thing is, I think there's a lot of mental stuff there that kind of need, he needs to put those skills together. And... Uh, Let's just say it's been pretty profitable fading him the last couple of years, so I'm just going to go ahead and do that again. No offense to Miles. All right, next fight. Uh, 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 Norbert Noveni versus Will Fleury. I don't think there's a line for this one. Nah, dog. 
no more for this card. Oh, lines for this card. Uh, I took uh, Noveni over Fleury. Fleury, you know, he seems like he's got character and middleweight. He seems goofy, but, you know, he's athletic enough, doesn't get tired, and has deceptively good grappling to where it's like, you know what? Maybe, maybe he's, uh, maybe he's just going to outlast guys, you know, if, if they don't blow him out of the water at a certain level, he can just outlast guys and beat them, right? And maybe that's what just happens here. Gets kind of lesser experience on paper. No venue. Didn't really face anybody impressive, right? When you actually watch him, and I'm like, there's a lot of potential with this kid, No venue. I think he's training over at London Shoot Fighters, so he's got uh, Michael Page to train with there on the feet. He does his little impression of himself. Uh, regardless of how effective he can be there, he moves explosively and seems to have a decent set of range and uh, has a lot of level changes, entries, clinch takedowns that he can go to. A lot of different options there. And executes them very well, real strong on the ground, strong hips, just a strong athlete. Seems just really focused and more mature beyond his resume and beyond his years because he's a young kid. So I'm going to take the more athletic guy and the more guy with the more uh, sharper skills and skill ceiling, I think, in my opinion. It's hard to tell with these sample sizes, folks, but I'm going to go Noveni there. Um, Kiefer Crosby over Hugo Pajara. I didn't really watch tape on this one, but similar to my Leah McCourt, Carrie Hughes pick, this seems like it's pretty clear who they want to win. That's Kiefer Crosby, and that ends it for Bellator 227. I'm just going to keep rolling on through here. So we go to Bellator 228. Uh, Pitbull versus Juan Archuleta. I did have a main card breakdown on this one. The current line, though, fairly similar to what it was cited on the breakdown. It's become a little bit tighter. Uh, so I guess I'm not cra as crazy. We'll see how the fight goes. But, you know, as far as perception leading into this thing, perhaps I'm not alone because Patricio Fiore, to my initial surprise, was only minus 160, now minus 140 at the time of this recording. The comeback on Juan Archuleta, your underdog, plus 120. Um, yeah, man, I hate, I don't, I don't think I've ever, since breaking down fights for the Bellator, it's not a huge sample size or as big as my UFC one, but I never picked against Patricio until last time and it was begrudgingly because again I have a, a bias toward Michael Chandler so I'm going to pick him but if you guys read between the lines even for my admitted uh, love and bias there for old uh, MC if you go back and watch the video and read the writing even not just listen to this podcast I made it pretty clear that that upset's probably going to happen so I'm staying away and picking because of my bias but yeah, I had spelled it out more ways than one, and it, it happened just like that. Um, and yet here I am picking against Pitbull again, but not for the same reason. I don't have anything toward Archuleta or his team or anything like that. This was just, you know, I knew Archuleta was good. I saw a couple of his fights, was always aware of him, but I just never took the time to watch him. And watching his footage and, you know, seeing him eat shins to the head, not consistently enough to where he's like got piss poor defense because he's really improved it uh, over the years. He's, he's made attempts there. Um, although, you know, his shifting nature is going to allow him to get hit. But when he does get hit, straight on flush overhands, knees, kicks to the head, shins to the dome, like he eats it without issue. The only things that really show to hurt him have been body shots quietly. But even when things kind of seem to bother him, he's never really shown to be hurt hurt, to be honest. But when they bother him... He stays fucking calm, composed, changes gears when he needs to, where he needs to, real smart. Uh, wrestling pace, doesn't get tired. And, you know, Patricio doesn't have that Jose Aldo thing where he takes rounds off so much. Uh, so I'm not accusing him of that. But the pace thing is a great tool against him for the fact that 
Patricio isn't as a, a brawler as aggressive as he was. He's more of a counterpuncher. He's more efficient. He's more impressive. He's more technical. But he'll sit back and look for that counter. If it doesn't come and you got some volume coming at you, clashing in a space for takedowns, and you're fighting and playing defense most of the time, I think that makes for a close fight on paper, no? And if he can't, you know, stop Archuleta. Archuleta's been subbed once, but that was early in his career. You could, you know, kind of chalk that up to the old prospect losses, right? You know? And, um... What's, uh, you know, the submission he's going to be most open for is a guillotine. He hasn't got caught one of those yet. And it's probably because his came up through Joe Stevenson, who is, uh, you know, a guillotine master. So he's going to have him well prepped for Pitbull's best submission. Does it mean Pitbull's going to win this fight because of these things? Because I picked him? Of course not. Just just laying out reasons as to why I got swayed through my analysis of the fight. Uh, plus the fact that Juan Archuleta seems to have deadening power no matter which division. Although I will say the time he got submitted in the times I have seen him in trouble where he's had tougher matchups. They were taller fighters and or mainly all at bantamweight. So I think it could be one of those things where he's get growing older. I think that the speed is his advantages and his durability may diminish when he goes down to bantamweight. So I think featherweight might be just right for him. So bantamweight could be troublesome in the future, something to maybe look out for. But I like him at featherweight. I like his durability at featherweight. I like Archuleta overall. And unless either guy finishes the other early, this thing goes with the scorecards. And I'm, I'm going to favor the guy who's relentless, doesn't get fucking tired, puts more on the feet, puts more in the clinch, puts out more in the wrestling, puts out more on the floor. Uh, I'll take Archuleta for an upset decision, but I'm not super confident. Did I, I sprinkle a little bit? i got to put my money in my mouth. I don't have to, but I did a little bit. I've been doing, doing pretty decent on these last events, although this fucking... The draw and the fucking no contest. I still ended up plus money, but I could have been plus, plus. That's always the case, isn't it? At least for me it is. Anyways, but uh, we'll get to that for the recap on the UFC show. Uh, next fight, Comey the event. I also got a video and uh, written on this one. So if, to, if I miss any details, as I probably do, even as wordy as I am, go check out MMAJunkie.com for those. You got... Gegard Mousasi, minus 300, come back on Lyoto Machida for the rematch. He is the underdog at plus 250. Uh, relatively the same from when I, I wrote the article, to be honest. I'm surprised it's this wide. I'm surprised it's tightened a bit. You know, as I kind of said in the article, it looks like Machida drunk from the fountain of youth there. And um, you know, this could be a matchup that's just tough for Musasi. I mean, he's undefeated against Southpaw in his entire career. Um, minus the one. And that one, of course, was that lost to Machida, that decision loss. So maybe he has that countering style that just really takes away Musasi's jabs and strengths and frustrates him just the right kind of way. But that frustration, I think, could be motivation for Musasi, which you could suspect him of not having in his last fight, though. Even though I picked Musasi, I, I did state that Lovato Jr. is a deceptively tough fighter and uh, or is going to be deceptively close. Would not be surprised for an upset? Not trying to rewrite history or take credit, but I, I am... Stating the truth, what I said. Um, but yeah, he's motivated for this one. So if you had any of those suspicions, and I don't think you could worry so much about that. But uh, you know, Machida looked real tick, man. I mean, it looked like Betch Kohea version of Machida in that Chael Sonnen fight. You know, that two hundred five. So see, uh, hopefully he has a good weight cut coming back down to middleweight because he didn't look great in his middleweight fight uh, in person when I was there in Hawaii watching him or rewatching him on the tape against Rafael Carvalho. Again, that was a southpaw versus southpaw matchup, which can be tricky. And uh, Carvalho was well trained by Evolu Kautai for that fight as well. Um, 
ultimately with a three round fight, I like this because that, that that's you know especially with Musasi saying he's going to be aggressive because that's what he has to be, and that's kind of what he's done traditionally uh, when he's beaten all you know the four or five other southpaws he's faced in his career. He's usually been a really aggressive and just kind of went to the takedown. Uh, I think that's what he's going to have to do here against Machida. He's got three rounds to work and find it. Machida's, you know. <laughs> It's never great to pick kills on him, but I guess uh, he did show kind of reasons as to why I did because he does allow guys in on his hips a lot more than before. Um, and then even when he's successful, like he was against Chael, he's allowing for things that he never really did before. Against Prasasi, I don't know how well that will fare. Um, Machida still is a really good or underrated counter wrestler. I've heard Bridge chirping that his back was gone when he was getting those losses and... That's why he was having trouble, uh, you know, wrestling and maybe getting off of his back. But I don't know, man. That fountain of youth. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how he does because he's been looking better lately. Uh, but I'll, I'll take Musasi. I'm still scared to play, especially this price not budging. If it starts going lower, maybe I throw it in some fun parlays. But I just, I, I'm not liking this price. All right, next fight. Uh, Man, this one. This one's tough. Darian Caldwell, minus 155. Henry Corrales, come back on him, plus 125. I, I love seeing Henry Corrales, who's won me over uh, in a lot of ways. Maybe not every way, as we'll talk about here. Uh, I'm glad to see him getting deser- some deserved respect, but at the same time, I'm surprised to see this line as tight as it is. And s- at least for now, I'll stay as tight as it is. Uh, I do think Caldwell was a bit overinflated, uh, even when I picked him, to when I didn't pick him against Horiguchi. Um, and he's moving up to 145, but he's still going to have five inches of reach, 74 to Corrales' 69, and uh, he's still going to be big and taller at 510. Uh, will his, you know, six? I hate doing the, you know, percentage crap, but stats. But will his 60 percent, six percent accuracy, you know, will uh, how will that stack up against the 69 percent defense rate of? Uh, Corrales, I'm not sure, but Corrales has shown some uh, much improved counter wrestling using wrist controls, defense, mainly against the cage, um, uh, with the MMA lab, of course, training there. Now over at Fight Ready, a lot of good wrestlers over there, and he's with that Neuroscience 1, and he looks jacked, speaking of Fountain of Youth, Jesus fucking Christ, he's on that NeuroForce 1 diet, um... That's great for Corrales, but I don't know if it's going to make much of a difference in this fight. I think it would make more of a difference, and regardless of that, I would still pick Henry Corrales. I'm a fan of his, as I think a five-round fight would do him better. But the fact that this this first round is, is, is three rounds for everything but the title fight, of course, does kind of change my outlook on some fights, including this one. Uh, or Caldwell, love or hate his strategy, um, I feel like he can wrestle for, for two and, and get two of those three rounds. Um, he hasn't been knocked out at least yet. He's good at controlling distance. And again, he's still going to have five inches of reach, some height advantage, a good length advantage, southpaw stance, which will only accentuate that length, especially with his style of countering to blitzing when it fits him with a level change in his back pocket. I just think he's going to have plenty of options here. Um, even with Andy Main, uh, who is maybe slightly taller, but not as long and not as, as talented. Uh, maybe, you know, it's a stretch. It's not like there's a big, big gap, but, you know, Caldwell definitely better, even on the feet. Um, 
And even that was giving, you know, took to the third round for Corrales. Not, not a knock on Corrales, you know. Uh, Corrales was very, no problem admitting that Maine was tough. And, uh, and Maine is tough. I've seen him in said, tra- even though he's an East Coast guy, I actually saw him in said training rooms when I was down over there in Alliance. I don't know why, but Miles, I can't, I still can't figure it out. Miles Jury brought him in for the Gomi fight. Like, this is how long ago this was. And I'm just like, I just couldn't figure it out. I'm like, I don't understand. Facing a little Japanese guy. That's what his stance is. You've brought in, like, lanky southpaw dude. All right. Anyways, um, but yeah, like, uh, I, I just, I just think, I just think he's going to have a lot of options to kill and control distance. He's just really good at chaining takedowns. I mean, he's one of the best wrestlers, man. Uh, you, I, and I mean, this is going to be the matchup that's always going to be tough on paper for Corrales. Not that he can't win this fight or others. He could come out here and Jorge Masvidal it. If there is a Jorge Masvidal in this bracket, uh, it's Henry, it's Henry Corrales, 33 year old Corrales, right? Fucking, what's this? I'm going to tweet it out um, tomorrow or today, later today, whatever time it is. But uh, is it? Is, uh, at my very uh, at, at my best, uh, what's this quote? At my best, I've been mediocre. Um, I've li- oh, at my best, I've lived a mediocre life. And I'm ready to die in this motherfucker. Like, goddamn, Henry Corrales. Gee. So. When I'm trying to get these picks in, this was kind of like the last ones I did, and I was like, fuck, uh, 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 and I didn't quite get to that part of my article yet, so I didn't watch the footage. So I'm like, ah, fuck it, Caldwell. And uh, I'm wishing that I picked uh, Corrales. It's still not too late to change, but it's a crazy week for everybody, including Uncle Maddie, and I'm not trying to piss him off and change my pick. Uh, but nobody, I don't think anybody took. Corrales, which is crazy. Although Uncle Matt, he probably will, cause, cause he's, uh, he's good about that. If like everybody goes one way, he'll he'll take the <laughs> peek behind the curtain there, folks. He'll take the bullet and uh, go with the dog there. Kind of wishing I did, man. So my heart's gonna be with Corrales. I may have sprinkled a little bit of my wallet on Corrales, but as hypocritical as it sounds, and it may be, the the official pick here is Darian Caldwell. I think in three rounds he can stay steady. Five rounds a little sketchy. I don't see Corrales getting tired or discouraged easily. So, uh, but three rounds, even a fired up Corrales, I think I think Caldwell can wrangle enough. I think he can wrangle enough. Next one, uh, Daniel Whitechill, deserved favorite over Saul Rogers, plus one fifty five. Rogers has been a guy in my blind spot forever because, again, no Bellator. By the time he fought in ACB, I haven't really been watching it. Uh, I never watched Tough, so I completely was off my radar. And it was just like, huh, who, uh, I, I don't even know. Just tell me after they win. Um, and I wasn't even covering things for fun or breaking down fights for fun during that era. So, um, yeah, unless I had to go watch one of the guys he beat, I really didn't go back. But Saul Rogers had an impressive run there. And this poor guy, man, he's been on the cusp. I had a real fun time watching him. It was like, this guy is like the British Kevin Lee, you know, he's just, you know, I'm not talking about the way he looks and the musculature, although you know, in the way although that does kind of play when he, especially when he does that uh, overtly boxing stance, which he's doing a little less of now. He's with Henry Hooft, and so is Kevin Lee doing a little less of. But when we first saw Kevin Lee, very similar to Saul Rogers there, right? Um, of course, Kevin Lee, an accoladed wrestler, the not accoladed jujitsu, but really good jujitsu. Where Saul Rogers, not accoladed wrestler, not accoladed jujitsu, or cred- credentialed in the typical sense, but he is really good at both. Uh, gets takedowns in the open, 
in the clinch, lifts guys in the air, uh, transitions really well, finds the back. Um, just a smothering gra grappler. I mean, he, you know, if he picks up some of uh, Khabib's tricks, he's going to be a fucking even more of a handful. I ended up picking him here, even as a dog. Um, it's not a confident pick. Uh, well, part of me feels bad, even though I didn't did it. Left my boy Henry Corrales, my favorite guy, fighting that night. And I'm sitting here not picking him because I'm a fucking asshole and just do that to myself. To, uh, you know me, I love doing that, picking against guys I like. But um, I I I like Vichel as well, and I'm picking against him, even though he's a deserving favorite. Even though I'm not sold on Saul Rogers is gas tank for five rounds. Again, this is a three round fight, so I think this kind of favors Saul Rogers and his aggression. Uh, because he actually can hold his pace pretty decently for three rounds. Uh, and he's fought in title fights before. He's got regional titles at 145. Um, and he's fought at 155. One of his two losses comes to a guy that like, didn't make weight. It was like a big 170 and like tried to cut down to 155 and didn't make it. Uh, that fight seemed weird. It kind of just, I don't know, he seemed like he did get tired in that fight too or just something happened. I don't know. But not making excuses, just saying what I saw. Um... But for three rounds, I like this. And Daniel Weichel, I know he was fighting a lightweight that he probably shouldn't have been fighting back down to earth. But, man, he's just he's been fighting forever, dude, since 2002. I mean, the mileage has to catch up to you sometime. I think it is starting to. Uh, he can be knocked out. We've seen that all throughout his career. So it's not – and he's, he's got good defense, but he's not a huge knockout threat himself. So I'm not sure how uncomfortable uh, Rodgers will be in the standing department. Uh, we'll see if he has improved fundamentals there now that Roger's working with Henry Hooft out of SPG where he was working before for a while. But Weichel, man, he's just been too defensive and too caught. It takes him a bit to get going. Like He's better in five-round fights, Daniel Weichel is, and in a three-round fight against a bigger, stronger guy, even though Weichel's the better grappler on paper. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. And he's got like an 86% takedown defense, so he's has his decent... Uh, Wrestling, at least defensively, right? Where it counts for this fight. Uh, maybe we'll get to see some of Saul Rogers uh, striking, but his aggression, even on the feet and coming forward into the clinch, I just think that's enough to win over two of the three rounds in the judges' scorecards, especially with kind of how passive Daniel Weichel's been. So, All right, next fight. Uh, back to the chalk. Um, Took a little sprinkle on Saul Rogers, but I'm not telling you to fall me off that cliff. Back on the chalk, though. AJ McKee Jr., stupid chalk, but may have taken a piece of that along with the Gallagher. Uh, for that combined plus 150 that I was telling you about, pay off the fourth leg of that for fun one that I did uh, on the next podcast. Um, to come back on, Georgie Karhanian, plus 350 is your underdog. Uh, love Georgie, but it's hard to, 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 to be confident in him here. I mean... He's another guy, like a few of these fighters who have faced multiple people in the bracket, but he probably faced the most and definitely lost to the most, right? And Georgi Karakhanian also has those miles, you know, from WSOF to, you know, regional California scene. Um, he's been around. Uh, he can hold up on paper with McKee in the submission department, but in the transitions and wrestlings and scrambles, McKee Jr. just seems fucking stupidly well-schooled in that department. Um Good from the front headlock that could dissuade some of those shots that, you know, we've seen Georgie Karakanyan implement or go too faster when he'll face like a striker, like Henry Corrales, per se. 
Um, but if he does want to strike and be aggressive there, Georgie does, which we've seen him do, obviously, as well for multiple rounds. Uh, I think, again, back to the southpaw options, a length like Darian Caldwell, even more so with A.J. McKee, he's more potent on the feet, more options, more applicable options, and I think he can use those to stay safe long enough to dictate, to set up his next takedown, decide his kind of next move, per se. Uh, I don't know if he gets Georgie out of there, but I, I have a feeling it's a dominant uh, victory for AJ McKee, so um, I'll take him a bit there. Uh, I think that that's it for that card that's worth talking about. Let me just uh, double check. Yeah, AJ Azagarms fighting Antonio McKee. Uh, AJ McKee. Wow, he's listed like right before that fight. That's kind of fucked up. They put him back to back, huh? I always feel for the corners when I see that. But uh, all right, uh, recap. Taking James Gallagher over Roman Salazar, taking Michael Page over Richard Kiley, taking Dominique Wooding over Franz Mulambo, taking Ryan Scope over Peter Queeley, taking Leah McCourt over Kerry Hughes, taking Benson Henderson over Miles Jury, taking no Norbert Noveni over Will Flurry, taking see I am taking one Irish person at least, or two with Gallagher. There we go. I don't feel completely bad. They're taking key for Crosby over Hugo Pereira. Pereira. Bellator, 228. Taking Juan Archuleta over Patricio Pitbull. Taking Gayhard Musasi over Leoto Machida. Taking Darian Caldwell over Henry Corrales. Taking Saul Rogers over Daniel Veitchel. Taking AJ McKee Jr. over Georgie Karakanyan. Uh, Parley Gallagher, Benson, and McKee Jr. with a, another chalky favorite over in Copenhagen. Um, ow! Uh, man, I'm 420, man. Uh, and for a collective uh, plus 150 and change odds. Uh, just didn't write it down here. Uh, I sprinkled in the dogs that I officially picked too, which are Rogers, Archuleta, and although I didn't officially pick them, my heart and part of my wallet will be uh, not part of my wallet. Like it's a big thing. Like it's a small sprinkle, folks. On Henry Corrales, not getting a lot of value there. Again, the lines tighter than I thought. But those are my picks. Thanks for uh, sticking with me as my tired ass through this uh, kind of uh, apropos, you know, side side piece version. We'll have the the main flagship tomorrow, UFC Copenhagen, and a recap on UFC Mexico City. Uh, so until then, thanks for listening. Good luck on your picks and plays, and always protect your neck.